from Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello again, I'm your host Chris Pace. Cyber Humanity is the podcast taking cyber security personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavors, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. There has been plenty of that, so this is one of those. And as usual, I'm joined by Max Vetter, Paul Bentham and Kev Breen. We made some friends on the podcast, did you know? Have you seen this? Uh, oh, of- yes. Yes, our our Polish friend. Our Polish friend, yeah. So we did the Huawei episode, and apparently, for British people, we pronounce Huawei correctly, or at least cl- it was a kind of a backhanded compliment, I think. Anyway, <laughs> our coverage has has been got plaudits from people at Huawei. Who'd have thought But it? I did say, when you shared that, I did say, I felt like we stuck to the facts. I don't think that we... Like, I don't think that we cast too many aspersions. I think that we were pretty straight down the line, weren't we? I, yeah, mm, I mean, we sort of drifted into little Got bit a little bit political. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, how so much on you that cut note, out. So on that note, let's talk about TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Chris, you said we can't do politics. Well, no, we're not. I'm just telling you, I'm going to share with the group that, as we know, <laughs> Donald Trump has been banding around uh, the banning of TikTok. And White House officials are now already discussing taking action against the social media platform over, I'm using air quotes now as well, national security concerns. Oh, this, I can't <laughs> do it. It's not and Microsoft, fair. Microsoft, US company, have released a statement saying it had spoken directly with the president and planned to continue discussions about buying TikTok. From why, its parent would, Chinese company. Why would Microsoft buy TikTok? What a ridiculous I well, acquisition! I bet they'll get it cheap now, though. Oh, they own Mike. <laughs> oh, they got Minecraft, don't they? Microsoft. Oh, do they? So they're oh. buying kids. They're buying kids. They're buying the Microsoft. future. Is what they're, they're buying. buying. Oh, they're buying the minds of the future. Microsoft. It's not a bad acquisition. Next, they'll be buying the OG forum. <laughs> the the best thing for me was when uh, Trump turned around and said, but. Uh, the U.S. government wants a substantial part of that sale to go into the Treasury because uh, they deserve it. Yeah, that's that's how it works. What? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. What? I think uh, the American government maybe they should buy it, like nationalized TikTok. Yeah, no. He um he turned around and said that as part of any deal, the U.S. government should get a substantial uh, amount of that sale. Uh, I'm not sure why, uh, and that would be a very dangerous precedent to set. I mean, I just just in case anybody's not listened to the other episodes where we've sort of got a little bit political on this, we <laughs> there there is a little bit of like Western like rah 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 the Chinese can't be trusted kind of uh, rhetoric around a lot of the infosec stories and TikTok. The story with TikTok is that the app itself, when installed on your phone had slightly more it was less uh it was capturing more data from the rest of your phone than probably it should have which in and of itself is like lots of apps have been doing that 
Mm. often in fact i got a notification on twitter this week that twitter could have accidentally let some of its data be compromised but what's really kind of interesting about this is that you know the american administration donald trump is, is talking about banning tiktok for its lax security posture which as we've ranted about before there are significantly worse offenders <laughs> in <laughs> it than tiktok exhibit a webex <laughs> Please ban WebEx, Donald! My understanding is, if you were going to suggest that there were national security concerns with a piece of software, an application, something that's widely used, you would think that they would be able to point specifically at the things that cause them concern about that particular platform. But the reality is it just seems to be that that platform is a social media platform like any other where the user is the product. And so if that is the case, what difference does it make whether that is a product in the US or a product in Russia or a product in China? What difference does it make? It's going to allow them to build a wall. Well, they've already got a wall in China. They've had one for thousands of years. No, Trump. Trump's oh, going to need to sorry. build the great US firewall. That, oh, my goodness. That's the only way me. you're going to be. Like, there's oh. no way you well, can. That's good this because without... his Mexican wall was essentially just a fence. <laughs> so if it's going to be an actual firewall, that would be good, I think. I, I can't see any other way that's not like just saying don't install TikTok uh, that you can actually do it. Well, he could get, he could get Apple. He could. I don't know, force Apple, I suppose. Can you imagine? To, to ban it from the App Store. Can you imagine what that would look like? I mean, to give a bit of balance, like obviously with Chinese apps, there is issues with privacy, espionage, foreign manipulation, propaganda, human rights, all that, that stuff. You know, that, that is an issue. Hang on, like Max. Think, I'm not, not going to let you get away in a minute. I'm not going to let you get away with like randomly saying human rights abuses for TikTok. I mean, what, having to watch the videos on there, that's a human <laughs> rights abuse. <laughs> if I have to watch one more video of a thing in a crusher, I think I will lose my mind. <laughs> I think... But I, you know, just want to state for the record, and I'm sure we're all on the same point. We're not the that... BBC here, Max. <laughs> we're allowed our own opinions here, Max. It's TikTok. Yes. It's TikTok. But the it's problem videos is, of people the pro- dancing. The problem is all the data, all the data go to China, right? Ch- we know what China well, does. All that data, data, what data? All that video. What, that people in America use TikTok. <laughs> Yes, we already know that. You're sharing it publicly. That's the whole point. <laughs> it's a social media platform. Yes, but have, have we, nothing. No, no, no. We've learned. We've learned how powerful Facebook is, right? Facebook, arguably, has changed the course of history. It's only changed the course of history because, boy, well, I, I stopped myself saying it. Certain political organizations were ready to use it to influence uh to influence elections and politics and that's, that's the only real, reason yeah. that's and the those, real story and those company and those organizations were unsurprisingly western they were in the united <laughs> kingdom in the united states of america my point is the the data in social media is very important and can be used in pretty dodgy ways and I, that's all my point i i agree with you guys it's not about security but we should should state that China, I think, compared to America, does not, uh, you know, deal with its citizens' data uh, in a way we would kind of want to emulate. But we know from what happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica that neither do the United States. Well, yes, all right, <laughs> I agree. <laughs>
Those are that is not just an opinion. Those are the facts. And isn't that the story here though? The reason why the Trump administration is not that happy with TikTok is because that lady went on a TikTok video, faked a load of people like going to one of his rallies, <laughs> and then nobody and then they had to like and then yeah. nobody could turn up and then like he had no supporters and then he got grumpy about it and banned TikTok. Isn't actually the reality of it is just that Donald's more of a Twitter kind of guy. And so the ubiquitous platform is the one that he wants to be rid of. And if the ubiquitous platform happens to be in China, that's a great excuse for him to get rid of it. I mean, you can upload videos to Twitter. It's just TikTok's a more fun experience, isn't it? It's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. And they've all, it was funny because in one of the articles I was reading, I think it was uh, maybe CNN, uh, they were saying that um, when they started to talk to like some of the TikTok influencers, they were saying that they've just come to terms with the fact that being on these platforms they are willing to give up that sense of privacy. They know they understand what they're giving away. They understand that companies like Google and Twitter and Facebook have all this data anyway. So if they're having fun, they, they're getting what they want, we're getting what we want, then what's the harm? Yeah, the, the, interesting, there's some studies on this because everyone, you know, from, I would say, our age, for a long time said, oh, well, the young people, they don't care about privacy, don't care about privacy. And you actually look at the studies and what it shows is, Young people understand it better than we do, and they understand, and and they silo their own privacy. So they're like, mm. yeah, on TikTok or TikTok or uh, <laughs> TikTok. Is that so, the new so one you're gonna? Yeah. That's the new that's one my, you're gonna set up when the other one gets yeah. banned. Yeah, it's, it's based in America, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and they will uh, curate their own privacy. Now they share a lot more than probably our, people of our generation would, but they they actually understand it pretty well, and they're willing to share it. They share a lot less fake news than my mum's generation. Well, yeah, and there's that as well. So it is, it, I think a lot of them knowingly, they go, oh, well, it's free, right? So yeah, have my data. If, uh, and that's the, you know, if it's knowingly, then that's not, not a bad thing, really. If they... The kids have understood, like you say, they can filter what they share. They have an understanding of what they're sharing and what it means. Um, and so to them, actually, how much information they decide to give away to TikTok is kind of down to them. And so in a way, a country that labels itself the land of the free to then be saying, oh, no, 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 you're not free to use this thing. You're not free to share information in that way. There could be an argument that this is a fundamental, um, you know, kind of preventing of free speech, which would create all kinds of interesting legal challenges in the US. I could understand the chief of the defense staff not being allowed to use TikTok on his phone in the middle of the Pentagon. Hmm. That's a thing you should probably ban, but banning some 16-year-old kid who's making a funny video to share with his friends at school. Like what have you achieved in doing that? The other thing I guess that we should consider is that what are the chances of once let's say TikTok does get banned, all of the things that crop up to attempt to give people access to TikTok will create a situation where malicious software or, you know, yeah. VPNs that, you know, whatever, all those things that can end up being created, um, you know, it just, it, it, to me, it just opens a window of risk. Jailbreaking for iPhones and sideloading for Android. Mm. You'll get your apps back in, just yeah. download them from, a, from the yeah. UK app store. Jailbreaking, that, that happened with um, uh, Pokemon Go, wasn't it? They, everyone jailbroke them because they really wanted to access to it and that's a great way of getting lots i can of neither confirm and... nor deny that i was playing pokemon go before it was officially released in the uk 
I was playing Pokemon Go before it was called Pokemon Go when it was the Triangles game. We had to like get like um, did it, what was it called? Yeah, it was it was like a geolocated phone app, and basically yeah, used they to... built it off the same tech. Yeah, it's the yeah. same tech. So you go to a this is incredible actually. You go to the same um, it's like Pokemon Go, but you you go in groups and you go to a, a um, like a memorial or monument of some description, and then you like fight there and you throw your weapons and then you share weapons with each other. You're meeting with random strangers. In the middle of nowhere, anybody else do this? No, just no. you. None of it's as good as geocaching. Fact. Sorry for <laughs> piping in about that yeah. little story about my life. So our weekly feature that was random ransom of the week um, it has just become the kind of ransomware roundup. But anyway, uh, we talked about Garmin last week. It was the big story of last week. Um, it was bad. It was pretty crippling. Um, lots of uh, fuss about it. But they came back online and we had there was a bit of conjecture about you know what happened did they pay who knows and now it seems that they might have it seems they um, and it seems they they might be pretty be being pretty transparent about the fact i'm pretty smug pretty happy about i'm pretty smug about it pretty smug about it well (laughs) done garmin yes but then of course the other thing is back with with the the real data (laughs) about it it's got the proof well the other thing is is this of course this then suddenly becomes um to do with language so we say oh you know have they paid the ransom and someone else will say to you oh no 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 they haven't paid the ransom and now kev is going to explain to us why they can say that they haven't paid the ransom which as we all know would be completely illegal in the united states so how have they paid but not paid this was if we go if we roll back a bit so some of this is still a little unknown but uh there's enough information out there we can kind of tie some of this together you mean that we can rampantly speculate kev we can rampantly speculate uh so when the garmin incident first kicked off um they uh discovered the exact copy of wasted locker uh which specific so wasted locker is targeted to environments uh the extension contains your company name the ransomware message uh is is has your name in it so it says garmin uh, your networks have been, and the all the extensions are wasted. Locker Garmin, and it's a valid. And why do they? Example. Why do they do that? Do they do that because they think it makes it have more, more impact if it's unique to them, or what's the reason? What's the rationale? Uh, it's the way the crypto works. So oh, okay. uh, ransomware's got very clever uh, in how it uses its crypto to make sure that they're they're not recoverable, and that's an important thing, uh, a very important distinction on why we think they've paid. Um, this crypto is pretty much as good as it gets. Uh, they're using fast crypto to do the file encryption, and then they're using uh, public-private key technology to to secure that content. Um, and the decryption key is never on the environment. So nothing about uh, dumping memory, nothing about grabbing packets. It's never in the environment. Would you go as far but, to say, I'm going to push a Chris Pace button here, would you go as far to say, Kev, that it was military-grade? Oh, <laughs> uh, RSA, a, a, a military grade encryption. Like, but ah, the important thing is, was it is next that gen? Kev? Was it next, next gen, gen ransomware? Um, but it is valid crypto, and uh, we're talking decades of like trying to brute force this. It's all done very properly. Um, and the reason they do the unique names is so that if one person were to pay, they couldn't share that key with somebody else. Oh, um, that yeah, malware okay. generated specifically per organization. Now I'm with you. Uh, and, and for so the they kudos. Keep track. 
<laughs> the kudos. <laughs> so it, it's all done in parts. They can keep tracking to make sure everything's unique. Um, that was uploaded to VirusTotal, um, and then researchers, uh, we managed to get a hold of that, pull it down, confirm that it is Wasted Locker, it does all that, and does appear to be uh, Garmin-related. So that's kind of where this all started. Uh, then we saw them all come back online, uh, and I don't know why Garmin love uploading their stuff to uh, to VirusTotal, but we saw a... <laughs> A pack. Uh, it's probably that one guy Virus there Total. that keeps talking to the media. He just keeps uploading <laughs> yeah. stuff to Virus Total. Um, so this pack is something that was generated by Garmin, uh, and this is an installation package that would uh, run a decryptor, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, it would then install a load of security tools like Nessus, uh, some endpoint detection, and some other stuff. So it was something they packaged up that they could distribute across their entire network. Uh, and like I said, there were security tools, some installation scripts, and a decryptor. And the decryptor is where it gets a bit interesting. So they uploaded that to VirusTotal? Uh, that entire package to VirusTotal. So, so they weren't sure that the package they were using to decrypt didn't have no, some, no, no. some malware in No, it. so and that's, that's the interesting thing. And that's where things get very interesting. So that decryptor, so the installers, they're just Nessus. Um, the uh, installer says built by Garmin on this date, uh, like the 24th, 25th of July, so a couple of days afterwards. But the decryptor is not the decryptor you get from Wasted Locker. So Wasted Locker, they have their own decryptor that you buy and they ship it off to you. That's not what it was. And I could forgive that if like this ransomware company sent you a decryptor, I'd be wanting to check that and make sure it's not just going to like hoop me again. Uh, this decryptor uh, is a standalone file which is created by a company called MZSoft. Uh, and MZSoft, uh, they're very vocal, and they say what they do is they act uh, as an instant response. So if you've got the decryptor uh, from paying the ransom, they say that they will extract the keys from that decryptor and build you a better version of it, one that's a lot more stable, uh, runs quicker, and uh, if anything goes wrong, uh, then they can recover from that. And that's what was part of this package. And the decryption key was included as part of that upload. So we've got the uh, decryptor built by MZSoft, uh, a valid decryption key. And the way we checked this is we went back and took that very first sample that got uploaded, the one that was says it was Garmin, uh, infected a device, then ran this decryptor, and it successfully decrypted it. Now, yes, it is possible that this is nothing to do with it, and it's all very, very coincidental. But that's that's a lot. That's a lot of evidence to say uh, that they paid the key. The, the only way you can decrypt that data is if you've got the key. And as far as we can tell, that key is in Garmin's possession. What an amazing story. I love it. Oh, the intrigue is amazing. Mind blown. <laughs> there's, there's another company involved. So... Co- so MZSoft, uh, they are very vocal that they do not do any negotiation. Uh, they are just an instant response. Uh, they will, they've got tools off uh, like poor versions of ransomware uh, and they'll build this for you if you've done the liaison. So they're basically a way of, that you use them as a way to recover once you have the key. Yes. Yeah. There's another company and originally... Uh, the community thought this was a company called Coveware, who are well known for doing this kind of renegotiate on your behalf. And that's because this decryptor package has some reference to Coveware. 
when you start to dig into the decryption package, it looks like MZSoft and Coveware built this in collaboration uh, and they use this for every client and they just switch out the decryption key uh, rather than this was something that was generated specifically for Garmin. Uh, and I think Sky News are reporting sources saying that it was uh, a RET IR uh, that actually did the, the middleware piece. So we're still not entirely sure on who. All we know is that it's incredibly likely that a, uh, a third party was used to do the negotiation. Uh, and then uh, it looks like MZSoft or um, maybe even a RET uh, in partnership with MZSoft were brought in with this custom decryption package. So there's a lot to tie together there. And Kevin, you know... Knowing public-private encryption, right? They, the whole point. People sometimes don't understand that. You know, oh well, just crack it, right? You're the good enough hackers. You just just get in, and if the ransomware is valid and it doesn't have vulnerabilities, you cannot decrypt it, right? That's yeah, just no, like, not you can't it decrypt works. it. You're not cracking the keys. You're not recovering the private key from that. Not without decades and decades. Like these are this is high level crypto. Uh, this is the same stuff that we use to secure banking and all of that kind of stuff. It's all like it is DOD approved, so we can get away with saying it's military grade. <laughs> military grade. Oh, shut um, up. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, this 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 crypto is the stuff that we use to secure like crown jewels. It's it's very valid uh, and cannot be broken. There is an article about um, Coveware from back in uh, 2018. I'll read you guys the headline. <clears throat> Meet the firm that pays Bitcoin ransoms on behalf of its customers. <laughs> really? <laughs> that? that, that's, that's what they do. That's their entire business model. Wow. Yeah. They, and the website's pretty good. It's got, a, it's got some really good icons. And under the icon one is explore free remediation options. Icon two is threat actor negotiations. Item three, ransom settlement. Wow. Item four, restore data and end wonder, downtime. So I wonder what cut they take of the 10 million. Well, there's the question, isn't it? Uh, obviously, the big thing about paying the ransom in this instance is the US sanctions. Uh, and Coveware actually came out uh, earlier in the year when those sanctions came out and said that they will no longer be operating uh, on behalf of Wasted Locker. Um, so Coveware came out and said they're not going to be doing any of that. And I think that's why Sky is suggesting that um, it's this third company. Um, you know what changed their mind? It's 10% of 10 million. That's what changed their mind. Hang on. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. By saying they're going to cut the 10, you're saying that they're in collaboration no, I, in I, cohorts, I, Max. Are you saying they're will, in cohorts? I will state, with, I will are you saying, that. Max, that Coveware are actually May's ransomware group? Uh, wasted no. Locker. Uh, oh, sorry. Wasted Locker. I got confused. Yeah, Evil, evil Corp. No. Oh, evil Corp. Are you saying that Coveware's Evil Corp? Max Vetter. Max Arvetter.wordpress.com. <laughs> <laughs> no of course not that is a great bit of investigative work worthy of brian krebs and you only <laughs> and you only outed three companies so that's um, pretty good actually i <laughs> want to you. say something about mzsoft because mzsoft look like they're a really good like um uh player in their kiwi company so new zealand love new zealand and they are part of the no more ransom uh project in uh, collaboration with europol and they distribute they, they loads of free de um free ransomware decryption tools for like like all they are the old ransomware tools 
they separate themselves and they draw very very specific to attention to the fact that that's what they do their ir their ransomware recovery they have nothing to do with any of the negotiations they might have some kickbacks with like saying ah go see coveware or like that but they don't do any of that themselves they focus on just the we will help you recover Mm. Uh, and that is a very noble pursuit and yeah and you can download this on their website on this website they support which is nomoreransom.org yeah it's great you can uh, if you're in any if you any doubt what it is you can upload copies of the encrypted files or the ransom messages uh, and it will scan those analyze those uh, and tell you what it is if there's a free decryptor uh, and then what services are available if not so still in the world of ransomware um maze are at it again and canon is their latest uh, is their latest victim 10 terabytes of uh, of data and it's weird because usually maze post up that they've um you know they're ransoming someone and so the, the the data is out there but actually maze haven't said anything about it so what maze usually do is um i think it's 10 days now because they're suffering from uh, the economic crisis is covid uh <laughs> but they they wait so they give you a grace period uh, where they start the negotiations if you fail to respond that's the point where they then start to out you slowly but surely mm. so they give like part of their sales patter is <laughs> sales patter <laughs> part of it is to say like we're not going to tell anybody you can keep this private and sensitive uh, if you don't pay us then we're going to start to announce that we have uh, and then we go from there you know what back at the thing is back in the day when there weren't sort of and, and actually with Canon, it's interesting because the, the it's their cloud services that have... Sh <laughs> it always feels to me like it's the online services that suddenly aren't available um, that is the giveaway that someone's been ransomed. Uh, so with TravelX, obviously, it was their website. Uh, with Garmin, it was the um, online portals connected to the smart devi devices. And with Canon, um, you would think, oh, what could it possibly be with Canon? Uh, of course, it's the place where you upload your images to the cloud which is now um you know suddenly not available and hasn't um hadn't been available for a little while came back up into service um on august the 4th and that's the thing that's ended up being the uh, kind of the giveaway um but now canon have come out and said it's it's rent well i think it was that was a false uh, red herring at canon we're just having a really bad week oh, it just got really bad <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. image.canon <laughs> or whatever the uh, website is called like was just down they'd just broken it and then they got ransomware. Yeah, separate. It's it's interesting because it's the same for for Garmin as well. Um, like I don't think the ransomware took Garmin offline. I think Garmin took Garmin offline. Same for Travelex. The ransomware, the ransomware is specifically designed to target very specific files. They I'm don't. I'm not sure. Your OS. I'm not sure about that one because why? If that was the case with. Um, uh, with TravelX, why was the error that was on the website so awful? Like, why could they not find a way of putting... So the website was still online. What happened is the HTML files were encrypted. So the actual bit that displays the website, oh, but the server itself yeah, got you. was yep. still completely functional. It yep. was just the data. Uh, uh, so modern ransomware, to allow you to recover, to like buy into that, like you can recover if you just buy it, they stay away from like uh, your OS. They stay away from sensitive files. Um, they only encrypt the the bits that are important. I I have a question about this because I don't really understand it. What I, what I imagine in uh, a network is that I'm going to get 
So I've got my my normally a user like succumb to some sort of phishing scam, like clicked on the enable editing in the Word document, got the macros in, and boom, they've got the first foothold in my network, right? This thing, presumably, it's automated. Like the whatever it's doing, it's then going to start worming its way through my network. And no, Kev's shaking his head at me. But here's my question, right, Kev? In my IT estate, I'm Canon, I'm Garmin, I'm Travelex. I have a mixed uh, estate. So I've got some Windows stuff, some Linux stuff, Macs maybe. Like, how is it possible that this ransomware gets onto my machine? through a like a user's desktop and ends up in my data center breaking my website there's, there's a there's a lot to unpack here uh, and this ties us quite I think it's a great question to, uh, it's a brilliant question Thanks. it's a brilliant question um there's two main types of ransomware so there's one that is like very dry deck style it's emailed out to like your nan your mum uh they get hit with it. They automatically encrypts their laptop and like you're going to pay us like a couple of hundred dollars. That hits exactly what you were talking about. That whole like spear phishing, widespread, like just fire and forget automated stuff. What we're talking about here is something very different. These are extremely targeted attacks. And for most of these, uh, they're probably not even going to be using spear phishing. They're going to be using things like the open SSL vulnerability. Um, sorry, the... Um, the VPN SSL uh, exploit, uh, Citrix exploits, F5 exploits, the SaltStack exploits, uh, which we're still seeing like unpatched companies. Uh, in the case of TravelX, it was the... Um, it was Pulse VPN servers, wasn't it? Uh, Pulse VPN servers, yeah. thank you. So what they actually do is they use that to get an initial foothold into your organization. Um, and once they're in, they start to look around, like very stealthily, very quietly, using... Uh, normal admin tools. Oh, so you're telling me they're not? It's not automated. It's not like click a link, no. boom, my network. To, no, we've up. talked about this before. Haven't we've we? established I don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> the difference between like the manual, like the yeah, that's how you, they download you get all into the, good the data, network, and right? you have to do yeah. stuff manually. But this leads us neatly onto something we were going to talk about. So we were going to talk. We were going to talk anyway about a fantastic um, resource that Sophos have released this week, which was basically five things to look for that might indicate that you're about to be about to be ransomware. Is that a, is that a verb we just invented? <laughs> um, I'm not sure that's if if that's what they called it. Um, but I thought this was absolutely fascinating because basically, obviously, they're looking at this stuff at scale. Scale. So they could begin to see where the footprints were, um, and and it's 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 quite it's insightful. It's interesting to say the least. Yeah, and that's where they draw this distinction. That's where we're starting to. They're talking specifically about these like these high profile attacks where they're going in, and it's all very manual. That the first stage, like that first trigger of like scanning the internet finding that vulnerable service uh, and then doing its first exploit, that's going to have some automation to it. Um, and then that's going to ping back to the attackers and go, like, we're in. At that point, they go in, um, and that's the first part of the activity. So having something that's monitoring, um, whether it's an IDS, an IPS, or a SIEM, event logs, having something that's monitoring your network, looking for those kind of uh, abnormal data packets that's your first sign and you've got time if you can catch it there uh, we're getting into like cyber kill chain territory here uh, if you can catch it that early in the attack cycle you can prevent the ransomware 
because it's not automated, it's not um, like automatically happening, the attackers launch this at the most opportune moment for them. Uh, so if you can catch this at that point, then you can start to protect yourselves. Um, and I think the second one they talk about was uh, look for uh, AV going offline. So as an attacker, once I'm in, one of the first things I'm going to look is start to spread across your network so lateral movement mm. so i can get off uh whatever like user i'm on and start to get into those data centers start to get into the file shares into the my uh the sql databases or whatever you've got wherever your data is because i'm going to want it to try and force the ransom so as part of that i need to put tools on uh and i'm going to use some legitimate tools uh but i'm also going to use things like mimikatz and these next two stages tied together mimikatz well known detected by almost every AV in the world, but super powerful. If I've got in with admin privileges, I can turn off AV, I can turn off Windows Defender and then run those tools as I like. So what's so Mimikatz what's Mimikatz looking to do once it's there? So we have to so I guess this works in phases. Like we have to make the assumption that it's been they've been successful at disabling antivirus in order for them to be able to run Mimikatz on a um on a machine. And I'm assuming that they only need to be able to do that on one machine in one place successfully in order to be able to move to move to the next phase uh typically you're going to run this twice uh if you've got you if you come in from user access you're going to run this on the user's appliance and what mimikatz does is it's basically credential stealing so this is all about privilege escalation um or switching to other accounts so mimikatz on a standard user desktop might give you admin credentials uh once you're an admin you can pivot into further parts of the organization and what you're looking for is access to the domain once you're on the domain run mimikatz on a domain controller and right. then you've got the yeah. entire thing open to you. Yeah. at that point you can dump tools uh, and you can go completely uh windows or linux native uh you can just uh, stay very stealthy from there and you position um so uh, if I'm targeting Windows stuff, uh, I'll drop some Windows malware. If I'm targeting Linux stuff, I'll drop Linux ransomware and then either sequence them, time them um, for the for a Friday afternoon or a holiday somewhere. Uh, and then I'll come in and I'll I'll detonate it. And this kind of leads on to their, their final two stages of this, the things to look out for. Uh, one is repeating patterns. So uh, much like we go to work at regular intervals, hackers are the same. So look for those kind of activities. Uh, admins coming on like every day. Admins are usually just coming in and doing ad hoc fixes. If you've got an admin logging into one server at two o'clock in the afternoon, like every day, that feels like it's probably not uh, something that's accurate or something you want to look at. Uh, and then the possibility of a small scale test. So how do I know that my ransomware works in your estate if I've targeted it? Uh, I might select uh, one desktop, one user account, and do something small there, hoping that it's just going to get brushed under the table as a, oh, it's just a bit of ransomware that has slipped through. So I want to make sure that I'm understanding how this then ends up working. Basically, what we're saying is they put a huge amount of energy into manually accessing the, the resources that they need to access. They then look across the um, the network to try to find the credentials that they need. They then run a small-scale test that basically makes sure that the credentials that they've got is capable of, A, disabling the security software that's going to stop it working, and then actually 
um, triggering the ransomware itself. And then once they've done that, I'm assuming the next thing you're going to say is they is they trigger the attack. Uh, yeah, so they'll... Uh, and this is a slightly different thing with uh, Waste Locker, but they... Uh, Maze, Reval, Sonic Eevee, they they're going to steal, like, large volumes of data uh, so they can use that... Those to, guys. Uh, ...the secondary follow-up. Yeah. Um, we, uh, Evil Corp, uh, they don't. Uh, they don't steal data. They haven't historically. Uh, we believe this is to keep them under a level of um, like law enforcement. Before GDPR fines, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe it's just because they know they can be quicker and stealthier um, and rely on the, the encryption because it is such good encryption. But yeah, once they've got those in place, uh, then that's when they'll look to strike and their their final act will be to... Uh, deploy the ransomware. That's like an interesting, interesting bit of insight because I had always assumed that. Well, I'd always been asking myself the question: like all these organisations have antivirus, how could this possibly happen? But now I realise how it happens. Basically, what you do is once you've got admin privileges, you use those privileges um, both to escalate your own privileges and move about, but you also use it to disable the antivirus in order to enable you to trigger the attack, and that's yeah. what does for them. You know what I Not hadn't really. Case, but in a lot of them. Oh, you know what I hadn't really realised was that it was so high touch. I thought it was all going to be automated, like a load of like spray and pray these malware. I can I know that you're saying you know we see that Garmin's like targeted, but actually it is. It's not just targeted. You're actually hands-on on the network, cruising around, downloading the data, like doing Advanced all that. persistent threat. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think they deserve the ransomware payment for all oh, that stuff. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and that would seem a perfect way to bring this to a close. Ah, oh, Paul, you're a terrible, terrible human being. <laughs> Can't hack Twitter, but I can steal billions of dollars. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at ImmersiveLabs.com or follow us on Twitter at ImmersiveLabsUK. Until next time, from all of us, goodbye. Bye. Bye.